I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Word Betting Podcast. I'm joined tonight by Bradley Todd. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. We haven't got our uh, our podcast hero Jason with us tonight. Um, mm-hmm. Some scheduling, some scheduling issues at the moment between the three of us. So um, you know, we're just trying to do the best we can at the moment. But uh, quite the run he's on, isn't it? He's the man in form. Yeah. F- four winners in three weeks. Um, you know, it's pretty really impressive. Um, it's the conviction that he's sort of said them with is is the impressive thing. Sort of Kim and Otegi is very very um, bullish on. Obviously, we didn't actually get to hear what he thought about Yannick Paul um, and Rory McIlroy this week. But you know, you, whenever you put someone up at eight to one, you're obviously going to be very keen on them. Um, yeah, exactly. And Yannick Paul is is someone that we've been talking about all year, Brad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we've been on him a couple of times. He's like been putting in performance after performance, and then he just creeps into that like part of the market where you think oh he's a little bit short there and you jump off at the wrong time and uh that's just how it goes on, a, on so many occasions we talk about this and fair play to people that stuck with him or have jumped on for the first time because yeah i'm down on him a bit this year <laughs> yeah I, th- I think it's been a couple of times jason's actually stuck to his guns with him and callum shinkwin this year where both times i've sort of said like i just can't do it at the price like Oh, no. I think yeah. Shinkwin was more obvious because like there was there was plenty of candidates last week that around mm-hmm. the sort of price, but, but for Shinkwin he was kind of a standout off the tee and, and everything and kind of went away from him because of the price. And I think the the thing that Jason's done well this year is he's kind of when a player fits he fits and, yeah. and he's kind of gone with it. Um, yeah, he doesn't let the price put him off. No, so maybe maybe a bit of a learning curve um, mm-hmm. at times, but. Having said that, I think you know overall, Brad, we've we've all done pretty successful this year. So yeah, we've all shipped in. Don't, don't think we need to uh, need to change anything up too much. Um, how much of the golf did you watch this past weekend? I must admit, I didn't see um, much of the CJ Cup. I tuned in for the final rounds. I was quite busy over the weekend, but yeah, I watched quite a lot of golf on Sunday. Um, I couldn't believe the way that right I was saying to you earlier that Ryan Fox was so poor, wasn't he? I thought that was his to win. Um, actually, it looked like no one wanted to win that event in the end. Um, I didn't know. I thought, even thought Dale Whitnell. Yeah. I was cheering him on. You know, I was like, "Come on, son!" Um, I was. Just, it was a tough watch at times. Uh, was a rare, it was, I mean, obviously the wind was up a bit, um, but it, yeah, it, it was tough. And also Armitage as well, um, doing what Armitage does, unfortunately. Yeah, um, he, he he was the one, wasn't he? Like he was, he had it right in his grasp. Um, you know, then double bogey seventeen. Where actually goes bogey, bogey, double bogey, bogey doesn't need to finish, and mm. you know you just you just can't do that. Um, no. You know, loses by three, and he's given away four shots in the last three holes. So it, it was very much his to have. Um, I thought Judge Jenna Watson on after making that eagle at eleven, and then goes bogey, yes. double bogey. That was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, for us, Brad, like Nikolai Hoygaard was just he was awful, wasn't he? Like. It's weird because I think it was it seven, eight, and nine where he had, or was it six, seven, eight where he had three great opportunities for birdies? Yeah, eight, all nine, under ten, 10 feet. feet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't make one. Finally makes one on ten. You think, okay, here we go. He's come up to a par five. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely flags it at, at the eleventh, but drops into the bunker, uh, misses that short putt, 
uh, let's say short putt, misses that makeable putt um, mm-hmm. at the eleventh to, to make birdie. I think that was the end. Like once he'd missed that, I think I think even up to eleventh he could have made a birdie there and really kicked on. Um, and then all that proceeded was two bogeys and a double from him mm-hmm. to to finish outside the places. Which, to be honest with Nikolai Hoygaard, the places I never really put him up based on place yeah. value. Like it, it's kind of win or bust with him. So that didn't concern me too much. Although obviously it's frustrating when they're in positions to do so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just a just a tough win. Then Sullivan and uh, Gavea as well. Uh, yeah, both they all finished tied sixteenth. All, all tied sixteenth and and what. You know, three shots outside of the top six, but it was just mm. the way they had it. Like even Paratore was right there. Like there were yeah, some really good was. opportunities for for them to kick on, and they just didn't. And you know, in the end, it's a it's a missed opportunity, isn't it? But mm-hmm. we we won't sort of you know dwell on those too much. Interesting enough, the CJ Cup, I, I kind of felt like Rory was going to win that. Like I I didn't love the event in terms of betting, you know, for that reason. Um, I was pretty impressed with what Jason Day did again. Um, yeah. Ricky Fowler didn't do what I'd hope he'd done. He sort of hit a miss last week, and, and Harris English certainly was off the boil. But you know, I, I think ultimately, like the players that you'd expect, Kitty Arm was obviously a little bit of a surprise how long he holds in for, maybe uh, in that class, mm-hmm. and, and KH Lee as well, really proving KH Lee that he's he's a person that can really keep himself in contention for a long time. Like, yeah. and though he wasn't really going to win but a bogey free final round um one bogey over the whole weekend is, is really impressive so definitely mm-hmm. a, a score okay actually and it, it was a from, from everything i've read and, and sort of saw highlights of the course looked pretty good yeah he's not the type to get phased is he i don't think when no. he's up there with the the big guns i do think he like he does back himself like, he's a very confident player um and yeah I, to be honest but i thought rory he obviously took control down the back nine but then showed a bit of like nerves. Chink in his finish. armor, yeah. I, yeah, it's, it still is. Finish, it still is but... that with Rory, and I think that's why, like, even when you feel confident he's going to make a run at it, or you know, even win it, like, like Jason did, like, it's always a fear, uh, you know, at sub ten to one that he's going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, if you know Kitty Armour had made anything between the last five holes, it, you know, five or six holes, he's he's in trouble. So. Uh, the others were kind of off the pace. Fleet would play well. It was good to see Fleet would play well actually, because I'd kind of discounted him a little bit. Um, you know, for a while now, I think he's been pretty poor. Um, so to see him inside the top five was was a pleasing result for him. Yeah, Burns is a bit of an annoying one in the end. So he just yeah. got off to a slow start. Obviously, um, tied seventh. So if you backed in eighth places, you'd got something back. But yeah, I did expect a little bit more. But I think he just sort of grew into the event and just left it too late. Hope they hope they go back there to that golf course because there was well, a lot I really of positive like views. It looked good, yeah. um, and you know when any leaderboard that brings Rory, Tommy Fleetwood, John Rahm, you know to the top of the top of the yeah. table, you know even Burns like is picking out the right players, isn't it? So um, mm-hmm. like what we saw this past weekend, despite the frustrations obviously on the the betting terms for us personally. Um, yeah. Obviously, if, if Jason was here, then Jason's obviously this would be a different conversation, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. The real reason he's not here is he's actually treating himself to a nice gourmet meal uh, in London uh, with, yeah. with stuff that I can't pronounce and won't eat. Um, Probably some Viennetta when he gets home as yeah, well. So, yeah, and then on the train ride home, Viennetta <laughs> on a stick. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to Jason on a good week. But we've got two... I don't know what to make of these events. They're two 
I mean, the Portugal Masters, you've at least got like the excitement of, of the cards and things like that. That will be obviously be in the commentary this week. Um, and, it, yeah. and it's, you know, you'll see plenty of birdies at the golf course. I don't know if it's the best uh, field, best event that you're going to see for a long time, but the, the actual betting here itself, I actually quite enjoyed breaking down. Mm-hmm. And then even at the Bermuda, like as much as the value looks pretty crap and everybody, I think it's, again, a bit of a fun event to dive into. So I think two events that are worth talking about this week. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Bermuda especially because I just, I love, uh, I love looking into that. Like obviously, people, most people will be like, oh, what is this field? You know, don't know most people, blah blah. But yeah, I really like trying to find like a diamond in the rough there. Yeah, absolutely. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go straight off the bat and read out uh, Jason's picks for the Portugal Masters, um, mm-hmm. and then that way, you know, not to get them out of the way, but so people who are listening for those can can get those um, picks. So. He's gone with Nikolai Hoygaard again. Um, you know, he thinks this is best of the best bet of the week, which we should all learn to take um, yeah, onus on. I'm, I'm worried now. Yeah, um, he, he says that the venue is similar to everything that he does well at desert resort stuff. Um, you know, which which is true. Um, I think he did play here last year, um, if yeah, I remember correctly. Second, um, I think. And yeah, it was it was right there, wasn't it? Yeah, like you say, yeah. so second in there, shot 64 on the final day. Um, so that was really impressive. And that's actually his second start here because he was 69th um, two years mm-hmm. before as well. So it makes sense that, that he's there at the top of the betting. It was a disappointing putting week uh, from him, but um, nevertheless, it was a, a good result. Then he's gone with Eddie Pepperell, who says it's clear on his ratings. Um, he is worried about his sort of motivations to win. Mm-hmm. He does seem to be sort of more focused again on digging out live and, and things like that. And, and maybe that's a bit of a distraction once again. But... You know, as, as I'll come on to in, in a minute, there's, there's plenty behind him as to why that selection is there. And then he's gone with Tom Lewis, who again I will cover because um, he's sort of thinking he's the same as me. And then he's gone with Jeff Windsor, who he says has sneaky correlative form, looked good last week, and he's a proven winner. So um, yeah. those are his picks there. Nicolai Hoygaard, Eddie Pepperell, Tom Lewis, and Jeff Winter. Um, do you like the Jeff Winter shout? It's someone that you know, we yeah, me too. We, I we won on last well. year, um, so yeah, I think he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. But Brad, let's break our bits down. So Robert McIntyre is fourteen to one, Jordan Smith sixteen to one, Victor Perez eighteens, Nikolai Hoygaard twenties, Antoine Rosler twenties, Yannick Paul twenties, uh, and Eddie Pepperell twenty twos. Were there any there for you? There wasn't, not at all, no. No. And what, what was that? that? Because you just they just I prefer what I saw further down, if I'm yeah. being honest. Um I just thought the value was a bit further down and um yeah, I, I honestly like I like you I had a good look and um Jason I had a good look at Eddie Pepperell. Like yeah. it's hard to argue. I mean Matt Wallace is always dangerous coming back. Um, you know, from the States. Um he's done all right here in the past. He's been playing pretty well. Um, so yeah, they're the two I would say, Eddie Pepper or Matt Wallace. But I couldn't make a strong enough case to back him at that price, so I just moved on. Really. Yeah. So for me, I, I really could with Eddie Pepper because really and truly, it's elite iron play that he's he's got going at the moment. Like he's been mm-hmm. inside the top ten in strokes gain approaching eight of his past ten events. Uh, six of those times he was inside the top three, and twice he led the field, which is absolutely yeah. outstanding iron yeah. play. Um, we know with Pepper, the driver is the issue. Uh, which shouldn't be a factor here uh, at Don Pedro, where he's finished second, third, and sixth. 
uh, in three of his past four starts on the golf course as well. So mm-hmm. when you look at the fact he was a 36 hole leader in 2018, he, he did end up finishing three shots adrift to Tom Lewis in the end. But the way he's hitting his irons at the moment, like he should just stay in contention if he gets himself there and, and look at his yep. results. He's going to stay there. I mean, he's played 10 times over the past 15 weeks. Uh, he's made the weekend every time. He's not finished worse than 32nd in that span. And when you mm-hmm. consider the fact that he really did um, push Sean Crocker, you know, all the way um, at that Hero Open, like still sort of fresh in my memory that obviously being mm-hmm. on um, being on Pepperell and obviously being a fan of Sean Crocker's, like there was a lot to yeah. enjoy that Sunday, other than the fact that he obviously didn't get over line for him in the betting prospect. But, you know... It, it's just it's class, and I know he's twenty-two to one, but he's been around this number for a while now, and mm-hmm. I think it's deserved. And I think it's when you look above him, I know Hoygaard's probably a bit of a danger, but otherwise, like Yannick Paul's got to win back to back, which is always tough. Even though I think he can do it. Rosner's got putting woes. Um, Nikolai we obviously discusses probably the danger man there, but Perez eighteen to one, Smith sixteen to one, McIntyre fourteen to one. All of them are. You know, they've all got the right credentials, but mm-hmm. none of them that much more so than Pepper. I don't think they're, they're streets ahead of him in terms of class and um, in terms of wins, he's obviously there. No, definitely. And like, like you say, like he's just been consistently playing so well, hasn't he? And you, you know, if he gets up there, he can probably win. Whereas a lot of these players, they'll struggle as we saw last week. So, um, yeah, it's just about getting in and amongst it a bit more. Final day, isn't it, with Pepper? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, apart from apart from that effort behind the crocker, he hasn't really been in the mix. Like he's just been, no. his irons have been keeping him there and, and in, you know, in and around the top ten, top twenty, sort of, but not really uh, looking like he's going to win. And it depends what you think whether he's like he's going to play solidly and eventually he's going to get into that mix, or um, you know that that is just his peak. And I think we're about to find it out really. Um, yeah. So yeah, this would be my. Sort of best last chance on Pepperell for a while, I think. Yeah. If um, you know he doesn't convert, which probably means he'll go off at like eighty to one at the Ned Bank or something and then win. Um, but it is what it is. One player I did consider around this price, a bit further down, was Paul Waring. Um, just the way he's been playing is is absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah. We know he's got that kind of increased length off the tee compared to what he was all those years ago. He's got a third and twelfth place finishes. Uh, at Don Pedro as well, he's a 54-hole leader here. Uh, I think it was 2013 that was. Um, I just thought the price was a little bit short. I don't think anything's been missed on Paul Waring. Like he's priced around Sullivan, priced around Ollison, priced around Pepperell. Like I can probably let him win at that price. Feels a little bit like Yannick Paul. Like if he wins, he wins. And mm-hmm. yes, I'll moan about it on next week's podcast, but I couldn't really get yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was unlucky not to be in a playoff, to be honest. I he thought was, it was, uh, other yeah. than that part, I, was, I thought I genuinely thought he had a chance to win after seeing everyone just collapse. I, I really would have fancied him to win it if, if it went to the yeah. um, He posted the best round of the day, didn't he? He did. And he's got that bit of experience and just wouldn't have got rattled. Well, I think um, Dellinghausen was, was a little bit rattled. He, even on oh, camera, yeah. he was like, do you really have to watch me eating? And they were like, oh, we'll leave you alone. And then... Uh, Paul would obviously have been disappointed more than anything else um, yeah. if he'd have gone to the playoffs. I'd have, as well. I'd have given him the nod. Um, Tom Lewis was next up for me, and this this feels a little bit. Um, I don't want a Yannick Paul situation to happen to me again, but it also has plenty of merit. Like I've sort of been speaking about Tom Lewis basically since he returned to DB World Tour, so he came back at the Czech Masters, 
um, basically rededicate himself, moved back to England um, from you know living in Florida, I think it was definitely in America somewhere, trying to you know make his way on the corn ferry in a PJ tour. Yeah. Um, since then, he's uh, he finished thirteenth for that Czech Masters, and then posted twelfth and sixteenth place finishes as well. But when he was twelfth at Himalayan, he was fourth going into the weekend and sixth going into the final day. Uh, just had a poor Sunday, and even at the Italian Open, he was third after the half, you know, at the halfway stage after 36 holes, and finished mm-hmm. 16. And I think, I think he played with Rory that week, which may have been a factor going on, you know, on Saturday. Like, I might have just yeah. got caught up into in it. The weekend. Like um, even in France, he was 12th going into the final round, finished 50th, and last week unspectacular at 37th. But he's now returning to Portugal, where he's won twice. Um, and ultimately, like he's got two wins and eighth place finish here. Like if he gets in the mix as he has been doing, mm. I think he's in a much better position from here to kick on. Um, you know, nine starts here, eight made cuts. It's just you know two wins and eight. What what more do you need about Tom Lewis? No, exactly. I agree. And his stats were even like pretty good last week. It was just the putter, yeah. really, wasn't it? It was just the putter. 69th and yeah. lost three point eight strokes. Uh, it's just uh, there's a lot to like. He just, and I think he's going to gain a lot of confidence coming back here. You know, he needs a performance. Like, it's up something, you know, to ignite his career. Um, well, we've said that on a few occasions with Tom Lewis over yeah. the years. Um, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because like it feels like he's had three chapters to his career already, and he's like yeah. 31 <laughs> or whatever. Um, but like you say, to your point, he does need a big week because he's 152nd in the DP World Tour rankings. I don't mm-hmm. think he has status anywhere. Um, no, anywhere else, awesome. so not even conditional status or anything. So he really does. It's I think I don't know if it's win or bust. I think he can top five and probably get in or whatever, uh, depending on other results. But mm-hmm. I would say he needs to treat it like win or bust because that's probably the only way to guarantee it. Um, and I think I, I look back at like an interview did after the Czech Masters, I think it was, and he sort of said like, you know, if I don't make my, you know, get my card here, I'll have to, you know, look for another job. He sort of said it with a smile on his yeah. face, which suggests that's obviously not something he's seriously considering. No. But um, he, he is too good of a player for that. But again, like you say, 13th in strokes game T to green last week, 29th in approach. Um, he's been awesome, really, when, since he's come back. And if he's going to win anywhere, it, it's here. I mean, I know I've sort of been backing him at. 100 to 1 and 80 to 1 and, and all that sort of stuff but I'll take the 45 ne- to 1 yeah you're never going to get a great price about him here to be honest let's face it nice. <laughs> he's a two time winner he's had an 8th place and he needs a good performance and he's been showing signs like yeah you can't get asked for anything I think 40 would have been an alright price you know I'd probably yeah. uh, I'd probably take him at that so um, yeah I think it's um, a good bet this week Tom Lewis yeah I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit with him and you know if he doesn't do this week then maybe we give up on Tom Lewis for a little while because there's not going to be a better position uh, a better place for him to sort of come through so we're coming to your selections here all, all at kind mm. of similar prices um, one of them yep. was bigger than Tom Lewis and, and sort of slowly coming in is Matthew Pavon is the first one I'm going to talk about is yeah, I think he's four. I think you get 40 to one seven places. I think with Coral 45 Unibet six places. Um, but yeah, he's having a, his best year on tour. Yeah, um, I'm sure he'd like to sort of cap it off with a win. Um, he's finished inside top 10 on five occasions this year. Um, that included a runner up, uh, two starts ago, Spanish Open, where he was only beaten by John Rahm. Um, missed the cut at Valderrama, terrible first round, sort of fought back in the second round, um, which is always good to see. But that's just not a course I'd primarily target him at. 
Um, he has a decent record in Portugal um, and at this course, he was runner-up last year. Tied for the league going to the final round with Peters. It's a bit of a horror show. Uh, shot 70, whereas Peters shot 68 to win by two shots. But he found the water three times down yeah. the back nine to hand Peters the trophy. So they have to get that out of his head if he's to have um, any chance. Um, but we do see a lot of repeat form here. Um, and I'm just hoping he uses that instead as extra motivation to get the job done this time. Um, he's only missed a cut once here in five starts. Um, we're expecting scores to be fairly low here as usual. Um, I think Pavon fries in these kind of tests, um, makes tons of birdies. I quite like the Raz Alcamoya events as um, a comp. Like he's scoring generous fairways, sort of suit the bombers a bit. Um, and Nikolai pissed that. Um, he was second here last year. Yep. Pavon was tie third. Um, consistently ranks in the top 30 for distance. Fourth in greens in regulation at the Spanish Open. Sit tee to green. Um, he's got decent recent form. Obviously, oh, he also has a third in Portugal on the Challenge Tour. Yeah. And he responds well to missed cuts. Um, obviously, because he missed the cut last time out at Valderrama. So I, I think it's a really. I think there's a lot there that I like um, and a good opportunity for Matthew to finally get that breakthrough win. He's, um, he's come close a few times. Yeah, I mean, look, look at his best finishes. Third in a, in a good field at Scottish Open 2017. Second in the Portugal Masters last year, uh, where, again, you probably could say he should have won given the amount of times he went in the water. Um, second at the Open de España, as, as you've already mentioned. Second in Mauritius. Third in Portugal and Challenge Tour. Like, he, he's he's been there. Like, he, he's been in the mix without doing it. And, when you look at here at the DP World Tour rankings, like he is directly above his countryman Antoine Rosner, so he's in 33rd place. Rosner's in 34th. Rosner's played two more events as well. So exactly. when, you, <laughs> when you consider that a lot of the time we're talking about Antoine Rosner, and and I'm, you know I'm just as guilty of this as everybody else is, but like Antoine Rosner gets an awful lot of focus because of his ball striking numbers, because of his consistency, and it's just oh he's just a putter away from winning, like. Yeah, few people probably not getting the credit that he deserves. So, um, I, I think he's mm-hmm. definitely someone to be considered. I, I don't really know what I didn't like about him. I guess maybe just because I had Pepperell in this kind of range and Tom Lewis, and you know, ultimately you have mm-hmm. to kind of make selections in the end. But yep. I do think it's the type of event where you might be better off having four or five in the forty to eighties one range than you are to take sort of a massive long shot against a couple of favourites. You know what I mean? Like, a, yeah, I think it's definitely. almost better to take a take a scattergun approach around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, even, um, sorry to interrupt, but I know no, no, that's but Matthew Jordan was another one I considered at um, 45 to 1 as well. I've been playing well. We've got good form here in the past. Um, but again, we I think Jason said it as well. It's like it's a difficult one at that price, isn't it? Considering like he's never won before. Um, so yeah, I, I passed on him, but he was someone I was like tossing up with in the, in, in that range. Um, he's in that Tom Lewis, Matthew Pavon range that um, yeah. I feel like he could go well and another opportunity to break through this week. So yeah, I, I think also I liked Marcel Schneider here. I didn't go there just because mm-hmm. yeah, you know, again you have to kind of cut somewhere, but um, he was certainly on my in my thoughts. Winner in Portugal as well um, on the yeah. challenge tour and. Um, just the way he, it just suits him. Like you talk about it suiting Pavon, like it seems like his type of thing, right? That yeah. he will go and you know score low. He played here two years ago. He finished forty fourth, but he's obviously a much better player now. Um, yeah, I, I just like Schneider. I think he's I think he's a really good player who's got he's a, a ton player. of upside. Um, you know, second and eleventh in 
second 11th, 17th in recent starts and strokes gain approach. Um, right there in terms of tee screens, well, 8th, 18th and 6th as well. So actually, I, I talk about the fact that I've led out Schneider, but he might be the one um, that gets added into the mix. That There is always one late on that I kind of add, and he might be the one. But... Mm-hmm. To not to sort of dwell on people that I might may or may not bet. Let's go on to Ricardo Govier for you, who you yeah. were on last week, and I think it's a case of not giving up on him too soon. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm sticking with Govier. Uh, I thought valiant effort last week. Three rounds of 67, just that one poor round of uh, 74, which I think was the second round. Uh, it cost him dearly. Um, yeah. If he turns that into a 68, which is all ifs and buts, obviously. <laughs> Ties for the lead and forces a playoff and, and he wins it. But no, um, there's certainly enough there, I think, to go in on him again. Um, even at, at nearly half the price. I think I was on him at 110s, 125s last week, something like that. Um, but yeah, he was ranked 11th for greens in regulation, 14th for ball striking. So he continues to hit the ball well. Um, he's finished 19th and 16th last two starts. So he's trending in that department. Um, it's his favourite week of the year, as he always alludes to. Um, he's never missed a cut in s- seven starts yeah. at this course. Uh, worst finish was his, on his debut, 58th. Um, since then, he hasn't had a worse finish than 36th. And has finished fifth and seventh place as well as his best finishes. So I'm sure to get his breakthrough win at this level would it be like fairy tales like fairy tale stuff for him um but no doubt he'd be putting a bit of pressure on himself um but yeah he's no stranger to it now he's got good results here in the past and i think that'll give him the belief that he can do the same again like given the way he's playing as well so i quite like him again this week and i'm gonna stick with him yeah even like 58th right like he opened up 769 and then it was cut to 36 holes so mm-hmm. you know you have no idea what you would have done over the weekend where he moved up i mean Alex Levy was 18 under uh, through two rounds, so yeah, um, he, he wasn't winning. But, um, you know, it, it's been really impressive. And to make sort of seven straight cuts in an event that obviously means so much to him is it, pretty impressive. The only the only downside I see to Gauvier is that, like, he almost has to play perfectly because I don't know there's the upside with the driver that there is. With, with no, you're others. right. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I worried last week as well. But yeah. It didn't didn't seem to be that big of a problem I don't think around that track because I think as as I said last week that it was it was a bit more strategic than uh, we thought it was going to be you know um, so yeah I don't know I still think there's enough there personally Def- definitely because you know at the end of the day he's in solid form he's playing at home he's very comfortable there he excels there as he's shown in the past and ultimately if we think Govier is a winner at this level um, where is it going to come? Mm-hmm. It's probably likely to come here. So, um, yeah. yeah, I like it. And then the other person I think you kind of mentioned at the top of the show was Dale Whitnell, who yes. we've had on the podcast in the past. We, we've kind of heard from him, um, mm-hmm. you know, his his thoughts on where he's at with his game, what level he's at. And he, he was very bullish. But also, before you give us sort of all the reasons why to bet him, mm-hmm. which there are many, my only concern with him is that I wonder if he's almost content with top fives and what i mean by that is that like he almost mm-hmm. celebrates finishing top five like it's something that doesn't happen too often and and, and it doesn't for him right i mean he's finished 12 26 10th and four yeah. four of his last five starts so he's definitely more consistent um but top fives obviously still mean a lot to him so i, I suppose in that sense i shouldn't discount mm-hmm. that it just there's just something about it that like you know he was the 36 hole leader last last week yeah 
it's good that he's looking at the positives, I guess, is probably one thing. You, you don't want someone to dwell on it, and you, and you yeah. want someone to take from the fact that they've played really well. It's just there's been a couple of times where he's had chances in and around the mm-hmm. in and around Sunday and, and not taking them, and instead of sort of saying like you know, I'm gonna, sort of immediate response from it. It's yeah. almost like taking a little while to get back into the hunt and um, not been too despondent. So I, I don't know sort of mm-hmm. where I'm going with that, whether I think there should be a bit more of a an elite mentality. I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. hard when you've not it's been good. there, I guess. It's tough because I feel like he's he is a late bloomer as well. Like, yeah. sort of, um, I think he's really found his feet this year um, and he feels a lot more comfortable at this level. I think he graduated to the DP World Tour 2020. Yeah. And, yeah, I follow him on... Um, Insta and he was like it was one last week was just one step closer to achieving my goal so it sounds as if you know that is his goal is to like his next goal is to win 100%. You know, which it all sounds good to me um but yeah I just it was brilliant last week he, he lost his way with the flat stick final round lost 1.5 strokes to the field shot one over finished tied fourth two shots shy of Paul um so yeah he was there and as you said he did fall away um but yeah after Nikolai ejected I was cheering him on down the stretch yeah. the like because he, he's from my hometown uh, Colchester yeah so um I was, I, I'm always looking out for his results um, anyway I don't back him too often um but yeah I think it's all there really he hit it really well he ranked 11th for greens in regulation 9th tee to green 10th in ball striking um he's not the longest of hitters so a bit of a bit of a disadvantage a bit like um Gouvier um on that front round here because I do think that is an advantage but I'm not ruling him out because of that because we've seen shorter hitters um win round here in the past um but yeah what I liked about last week was that round of 63 because he isn't one normally to go like that seriously low and so I think that might give him some confidence that he can sort of keep up some of the scoring this week um if it does get out of hand and yeah, his recent form is excellent. There's not there's not many better in the um, in the field with his recent form. He's tied 12th, tied 26th, tied 10th, missed cut at Valderrama, which can be forgiven, and tied fourth last week. Um, he's been playing like consistently well, uh, which is something we haven't seen from him in in, in the past. Um, and yeah, he's not exactly young as I said before, but it certainly feels like he's sort of sort of coming of age a bit. And three top tens this year, which is his best at this level um he's comfortable playing in portugal um like he's won on the portugal pro golf tour back in 2019 as well he played quite a lot of events which quite a few brits do um and that was back in 2019 and he's made only one start at this course back in 2020 finished 24th of rounds of 67 74 66 and 70 so plenty of potential there with those two rounds in the 60s um i thought he was quite a big price i don't know what he is now, from what I took him earlier, I'm gonna have a look quickly. Whitnall, sixty to one, basically. Yes, I think sixties is just fine. Yeah, just looking at kind of like. So he only really sort of graduated to the DP World Tour in 2020. Uh, he was still playing Challenge Tour in 2019, right? And mm-hmm. you look at it, and he's actually been within the top five after three rounds four times. So he was at the British Masters. Um, in 2020, he was fourth going into the final day, finished fourth. At the mm. Irish Open, he was fourth out of the 54 holes, finished fourth. He was actually fourth after every round that week. Um, <laughs> at the Kazoo Classic, he was second after day one uh, in 2021, first after day two, fourth after day three, and that was where he was disappointing. Like he he had the co-lead um, 
after day two and then went fourth after round three, sixth after round four. Uh, sorry, four strokes back after round uh, three and six strokes back after round four. So he kind of really fell away, finished 13th there. But last week, although he was one ahead going into the weekend, he was he was already two behind going into the final day, even mm-hmm. though he shot a 68. And I, even though he shot a 72, he never felt like he really yeah. completely ejected. Do you know what no. I mean? Like he, he, he made two bogeys for the first five holes, birdied six, bogeyed seven, birdied eight. So he sort of bounced back a couple of times, birdied 11, bogeyed 13 and 14, but then birdied 17 again. So like, yeah. it feels, I almost prefer that where someone goes 100% birdie yeah. bogey. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I wouldn't want to see someone that just goes around making. 16 pars and two bogeys because it was oh it was really solid and he shot a you know 72 or whatever like it to me like the way he did it was better um mm. and it's always I hard agree. to follow up a 63 on a, on a friday with a 68 on a saturday so um, maybe i've been a little bit too harsh on him i, I just again it's, it is a little bit like govier in the sense that like he almost needs to lights out putt it um, mm-hmm. but that's fine that's that's what you need at, at you know portugal and you know, ultimately, even with the likes of Pepperell and Lewis, mm. like at shorter prices, like you know, they all need to do the same thing. So, yeah, no, I agree. And uh, like just to add to what you said, like he was hitting like okay shots to the green, but he was giving himself like twenty footers rather than like yeah, you know, like, ten footers or twelve you know, makeable. And he was getting moody about it. So it's just I liked what I saw from him. You know, he did, he looked as though there was a real like um, you Drive. know. Like, yeah, drive. He wants to win. Um, so, yeah, I think he sort of passed the eye test a bit as well last week. You know, he looks hungry. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm quite keen to go back in on him. Well, not go back in him, Mark, but as in back in. Take a chance. Yeah. Um, coming to this sort of 70 to 1 range, I liked Nicholas Norgard Muller. Um, we've said mm-hmm. a little bit of him in the past, and it's been flashes, right? And it, there's nothing to really sort of pin your hat on, and, and that is why I don't know necessarily what to do with him. Like, he hasn't played here, but I'm just thinking about, like, Nikolai Hoygaard, Bjerregaard finishing second last year, Bjerregaard winning it in 2017. Like, it's not just a lazy, he's Danish type thing, but he's got that mm-hmm. same sort of uh, approach to the game as those two players have. He's, yeah. he's very sort of hit or miss uh, and volatile. Probably too much to, to kind of do anything with any confidence with him, but, like, he was seventh uh, at the Dunghill Links. And I thought he was actually really impressive on that final day. Although he shot at 71, um, mm-hmm. I actually thought he was someone that sort of stood around for, uh, hung around. He looked for a good longer. up to the final few holes. I think yeah, like eventually it got to him and, and he fell away. But I think he was good enough for a decent period of time. Yeah. And he was 20th at the Spanish Open, where he was kind of in and around the top 10, top 20 all week. Missed a cut at Valderrama, but that's just not his golf course, right? No. Um, so. Ultimately, I think when he gets the starts that he should get uh, that suit his game, I think he's really, really good. Like he shot a 61 uh, at Cran Sierra in the second round as well. So I think oh, with the scoring there, he can do it. Um, yeah. I just there's something about him that makes me hold back a little bit. Like Joe Jenner Watson on there at the same price uh, or similar prices. Like, are they? Is he better suited with the current format? I just don't know, like, Jason Scrivener's got a decent course record. There's people yeah. there that have got a bit more history than Norgard Muller that kind of appeal. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's a bit of a mystery how he's going to take to it. Sort yeah, of so, so sometimes I think, like, that's a great thing, that we, that we don't know 
where what is Max's. Like, I still think there's, there's still something to learn about Norgard Muller, um, which I like. I just worry, like, sometimes if he was like 100 to 1, like, I'd just take him and it wouldn't even be a question, mm-hmm. um, which is probably, you know, a reason to, to take him alone. But yeah. we shall see. Um, final pick for me was Mark Warren. And it's just, again, <laughs> it's another one. You, you don't want to get too carried away with these veterans, but like, Three straight made cuts. He ranked inside the top nine in both strokes gain approach and strokes gain tee to green last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like he's just a good putting week away from contending. And you look at it, he's returning to a golf course that he's played basically every renewal since 2007. I think he missed one um, in that time. 14 starts. He's got a second and a 12th. And he was a 36th hole leader when he was 12th as well. Um, he's got two more top 30s. Ball striker numbers have been good over the last month um, needs to you know have a good week he is inside the cut line for a card which was, which surprised me actually I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't know why Mark Warren's there and some others are not but um, it just feels like he's the type of player that when you look down the list of you sort of saw Bjerregaard come out of nowhere last year you've seen Justin Walters finish second to Stephen Brown you've seen obviously Mark Warren finish second here to, to Bjerregaard like it does feel like you get the odd like veteran that just kind of mm-hmm. turns up. I know uh, Stephen Gallagher used to play well here as well. Like, yeah, it just feels like you, you can just take advantage of a bit of Naus, and and he definitely has that. Um, what's the upside for Mark Warren? I mean, he's a four-time winner on the DP World Tour. Most recently uh, at the Austrian Open in 2020. I think was that the first start back after COVID. Oh, I can't remember. I got a feeling it was. Like, he, he beat Marcel Schneider. Yeah, that the week. Euro and Bank Open, it was. Yeah. And he beat Marcel Schneider that week. And this is a guy that's lost like Wentworth in a playoff. He, he's He's been, you know, been around the block. Like, he's played in the World Cup, you know, with Monty a couple of times. Like, he probably is overlooked a little bit because he was the type that, you, you know, you, you talk about the. I mean, he's probably McIntyre's probably a better player than he, he ever was, but like the the Smiths and the you know, people like that, Matt Wallace, that that should win more and don't. He's that type, um, and now he's kind of forty one, forty two. We've probably overlooked him, but I think just in this golf course, Brady can probably uh, give it one more go. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, he closed with sixty seven last week, but yeah. um, that's the only thing that's almost run out of steam. But he's you know, it's there's so much there, as you just said. Like, there's just a lot to to like about him. The fact he's making cuts and he's like hitting the ball like really well. Like, his numbers were brilliant last week, and I, I'm surprised to see like a big price on him at like 150 to one. You can get about him. That's yeah. that's huge, isn't it? So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, like he's made like it's not even just the last three weeks. Like he's made five of his last six cuts, and that's just a really good sign mm-hmm. for someone that we know what he can do like there's, yeah. no, there's no guessing what Mark Warren is he's, no, he's a winner at his best um, yeah. but the third round 65 at the Spanish Open put him into contention and he obviously fell away on the final day over 70 but opened up at Valderrama over 68 couldn't really follow it up and then last mm-hmm. week like you say first, first and third round 67s but couldn't sort of keep it going over the weekend it's just you know, it is what it is like there's probably not enough there to win at the moment but 150 to 1 about a player that we know can win. If he gets in the mix I, I would definitely trust him to an extent uh, at yeah. that price. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that's probably it for me Brad. I don't I don't. you know there, there's certainly players that you could talk about um, 
in yeah. these bigger ranges, and there will be someone. I mean, Stephen Brown's actually shown some life uh, in recent mm. weeks, and he's obviously a former winner here. Uh, talked quite in depth on the podcast about that win, and and sort of explained a lot of you know nuances about the course. So mm. I think he he does really enjoy the test. Um, mm. I still always look at Alex Fitzpatrick. He's he's sandwiched in there still at 125. I know, yeah. Uh, he got um, off to a good start last week, didn't he? He's just. I don't know. I, I I envisage him winning a tougher, almost like a proper um, mm. event rather than this, uh, which sounds a bit. You know, I'm surprised though. They keep putting the, the bookies are giving them. You know, he's at, putting him at the prices that he is. I got to admit, like especially when he opened with a 68 and a 16th after round one last week. Like that's that's his first yeah. cut in what five events. It's yeah. No, I do think the prices are pretty generous. Uh, I got to admit. Um, yeah, tempting. Yeah, I mean, I don't really need too much talking into Alex Fitzpatrick, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll review that one and sort of come back to it. But, <laughs> but for now, I'm definitely on Pepperell, Lewis, and Warren, um, and it's kind of making some decisions with sort of Norgard, Muller, Schneider, and and now Alex Fitzpatrick as we carry on talking. So, um, I think that's us done for the Portugal Masters, Brad. Unless yep. you want to um, make anyone else? No, no, I'm happy with that, mate. So then we go into the Bermuda Championship. Danny McCarthy is sixteen to one favourite. Mm. Thomas Dietrich eighteen to one. Seamus Power twenty two to one. Really uh, twenty five to one. And a couple of sort of stray books. Mark Hubbard twenty five to one. Adrian Moronk twenty eight to one. Nick Hardy twenty eight to one. Gonna stop there. Um, we'll do again what we did um, with the Portugal Masters in the sense that we'll give you Jason's picks. So mm-hmm. he's gone with Peter Malnati, who is. Where is he in the betting? I'm pretty sure I saw him earlier. Uh, well, there is some 90 to 1 about Peter Malnati, but um, 75 to 1 generally. Uh, plenty of form in the wind. Plays Heritage well, Texas well. Uh, Kapalua form works as well. He's one of the best putters when he's right, and he's got high putts per green regulation uh, statistics. He likes Scott Piercy uh, as well. He says he's back to his best after a couple of years after that QAnon controversy. Uh, he's been top 20 in much better events this season and plays well in Sony Open, uh, which is obviously uh, important, which we'll mention uh, as we go along. Uh, he's 90 to 1 as well. Uh, Nate Lashley, he says he's played well in Ecuador, Mexico, etc. And he's always someone to look at in poor events, which I would agree with. Um, he, he does seem to kind of steamroll these, these weaker events and then not do an awful lot elsewhere. I think he went for a little patch. Um, with his ball striking not so long ago that, that mm-hmm. kind of caught my eye but uh, hasn't sustained it and then Callum Tarran he's sort of said he's he's a hard player to read but has played well in the wind and uh, he, he did originally have Davis Thompson in who isn't playing so um, yeah he, he likes Callum Tarran in that spot which I do yeah. get I, I looked at him as well I don't know if he's one of those people that needs a bit of an easier driving course than, than this maybe um Possibly a massive hitter. He he likes to just lit rip with the driver and, and mm. make some birdies. So um, potentially just not the event for me. But I'm not gonna sort of argue with Jason because he's winning mm. at the moment and I'm not. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Callum Tarrant. He's he's 66 to one uh, best price. So to summarise, Peter Manasi, Scott Piercy, Nate Lashley, and Callum Tarrant for Jason. So. As you can tell by the people we read off the top, Denny McCarthy, Thomas Dietrich, Seamus Power, Mark Hubbard, Adrian Ronk and Nick Hardy, this isn't going to be an event where 
you can get too caught up in value. I don't think. I think it's one of those yeah. ones where you, you, you pick your players and you just you know you go with them. Uh, you mm-hmm. kind of have to put a bit of a label over the, the names and the prices and just base you know back them on merit. It. I did consider Nick Hardy. He was the one in that list that I thought was you know really impressive. He's got a 14th at the Sony Open. He's got a second place finish at the Bahamas on the Corn Ferry. And he's been 13th, 1st, and 20th in strokes going to approach this season. I just thought none of that was missed. Like 28 to 1 about a player that, when we come on to some of the others that we we are going with, like probably was a little bit overdone uh, in terms of the price. So as much as I could definitely see him winning, um, I'm not going to get there. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Any any thoughts to you on the sort of top of the board? No, not really. No, obviously I'm very interested to see. What, um, it's not a Marunk course at all, you know. Don't say, but um, no. I'm interested to see how he does and how he got an invite as well. I'm not sure. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's basically anyone that will turn up and play it is probably invited. Looking at the course, John Daly's playing this week, which is yeah, I saw that. That's Did you see that Jonah Hill is potentially going to play John Daly in a film? No way. Yeah. I did not. That's absolutely. He, he's awesome. like giving it his blessing. I think John Daly. I think he said something along the lines of like he's. He's got like a, one of my favourite actors. So I'm yeah. So keen on that. He he said something along the lines of like he's got to show that he can swing past his head or whatever, and, and then he's in. Um, if he does that laugh that he does uh, in War Dogs, um, yeah. in in this film, then I I will just die. Um, that that kills me every single time. But yeah, that that was uh, an interesting <laughs> side note. Um, Love that. Your um, shortest price selection. Yeah, uh, my shortest one. Well, I did Alex Smalley. I know he hasn't. He wasn't very good last week. I think yeah. He closed two rounds in seventy-three. Um, hasn't been too great since coming back uh, to the new season. But he's got some good, like cop course form. Um, you know, he's shown up in in Mexico at the Mexico Open. Um, he's had a good finish here last year. Uh, second at the Corolas. You know, like, it's good. Like course is with a breeze so I did look at Smalley but just got put off by his two final rounds um I think we're both very big on him we are yeah. um but yeah he would be the one that would hurt uh I can't to, admit to me Smalley would be it's that person where like I'd rather back Alex Smalley at 80 to 1 in a deeper field knowing that he's probably just got just I think like he hasn't had that much you know pressure in terms of trying to win and He's going to find it tough wherever he does it. And maybe on a really blustery Bermuda day, um, yeah. trying to do it for the first time, knowing I think it yeah. gets you a Masters invite as well. Like I think that just comes with just as much pressure as it does doing it anywhere else. So mm-hmm. I'd probably rather just wait for it to be a bit of a deeper feel. But I do, like like you say, agree that he represents some decent value, I think, when you compare it mm-hmm. to, to some of the rest of the board. Yeah. So Sung Young Kim... Yes, was, was the person for you, and, and and I sort of said to you, I really like Sung Young Kim, but I don't know if this is the type of course that suits him. And you very quickly retorted, and I'll let you talk about that now. Yes, no, so he's had a brilliant start to life on the PJ Tour. Uh, Thirty sixth at the Fortinet, thirteenth at the Sanderson Farms, fourth at the Shriners, then a sixty fourth last week at the CGA Cup, which I quite enjoyed because it helped his price for this one, and I was. <laughs> looking at him for this one because I followed him closely last year on the Corn Ferry Tour and I clocked that he was performing well on the sort of tropical coastal events, um, tied 19th and tied third at the two Bahamas um, courses, um, missed the cut on the number at the Panama Championship after opening with a 68, 
Um, so yeah, he doesn't mind a bit of breeze. Um, uh, he was woeful at the, off the tee at the CJ Cup, but the week before at the Shriners ranked fifth for driving accuracy. Um, so yeah, he can spike in that. And I think he had a bad week the week before that and then had a good week the week before. So I'm hoping he's due a good one. Um, he's excellent with the, the flat stick, especially on Bermuda. So yeah, I've got a feeling that I'm pretty big on uh, SH Kim because uh, he won for me at 100 to 1 um, in Japan. So yeah, I, I really like him um, for that reason alone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got a feeling he's um, a player on uh, he's got a lot of potential and I feel like he could win this year. Um, he's the tough player I think is going to come out and um, break through from the Corn Ferry Tour. So and this event could be right up his street. So yeah, I'm happy to chance. I think 33 to 1 is the best you can get about him. It's, it's almost like because I didn't. You know, I'd sort of seen his name about and, you know, he'd had some good finishes and I don't even sort of remember that Japan win. But, like, it feels like he's been the sort of gem of the Corn Free Tour graduates without getting the pre-noise. I know Taylor Montgomery's been very, very good, but he was expected to be. Um, you know, yeah. Justin Sir was there. Um, many other sort of players were getting a lot of recognition. I feel like he went a bit under the radar and has just sort of, you know, very quietly gone about his business. Yeah, definitely. And people forget, I'm trying to remember what event it was, but even when he was on the Corn Ferry Tour last year, he had a really good um, he had a really good event on the, the PGA Tour. He finished just outside the top 10, I think. I'm trying to find it now. Um, but yeah, I can't remember what that was. But that was like, that was, just shows straight away that he's ready to play at that level, you know. Um, and he's, he's shown that, like straight from coming up from the Corn Ferry Tour. So yeah, um, I, I really like him. Yeah, I think he's definitely um, been That's overlooked it. to this point. I think I think now people are sort of catching up with him because you know it's impossible not to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he's definitely shown some form. So very pleasing to see that from Sung Young Kim. Two sort of, I guess, I don't know if you can call them veterans at this point. I guess you can with uh, with one of them. But Aaron Rye is. is He's not a PJ Tour veteran by any means, but he's he's played a lot of events on the on the DP World Tour and and impressed. I'd say impressed on the PJ Tour last season, Brad. Like I was quite impressed with how him and Bersweden how kind of kept their cards and you know I thought they'd be the type that got stuck between the two tours. Mm. I was a little bit um, disheartened with the fact that actually he's only had three top fifteens last season, Aaron Wright, but. Sixth at Tory Pines is basically like him winning because sixth at Tory Pines is absolutely ridiculous for him. Uh, oh, was, yeah, that was a funny one, wasn't it? Uh, the one thing I found really because a lot of people sort of because me and um, Sky obviously doing DP World Tour show, like, a lot of people are asking us about Aaron Rye, like especially when the PJ Tour come around, and he got his card. Like sixth at Tory Pines would have been the the complete opposite of what I'd have expected him to do, and it was where like I thought he'd play well, like Sony and stuff like that, that he didn't. Um, but That's what, yeah, I agree. One of the places that he did play well was El Comedian or El Comedian, whatever you want to call it, where he was fifteenth, yeah. um, and and that's just you know the the most obvious correlative course. Um, Brendan Todd and Brian Gay have won this event and both won at the Mayakoba. Um, Danny Lee finished second, um, has also finished second, third, and seventh at Mayakoba. JJ Spawn has finished third at Mayakoba um, and was seventh here, and Peter Manarsi uh, has got top ten in Mexico and finished seventh here. So. Definitely lots to, to find already between those two events, which makes sense. You know, shorter, um, sort of accurate hitters can, can play well there. There's plenty of wind, um, you know, the grass, etc. So I was very pleased to see that with Aaron Rye. 
Um, is it a bit short? It is a little bit short, I think, at sort of 28 to 1, 8 places. But, again, you know, you're pricing with Justin Lauer, who I thought was decent, but didn't like the prize. You're pricing with Patrick Rogers, who just doesn't win. Um, we know Aaron Rye can win. We know what he does when he drops down. Like, he's really, really impressive when he drops down to DP World Tour. Uh, yeah, I think is. that even gets overlooked. So, uh, I really liked that. And then I went with Russell Knox, who <laughs> I, I've... I remember there was a period of time when me and Jason first started this podcast where he'd talk about Russell Knox sort of every week. Um, and I sort of made it a bit of a joke that he was, you know, pretty poor. And I think there was, I think he finished 33rd three weeks in a row. Um, and I sort of just said, look. Oh, Russell I remember Knox, that. Yeah. yeah. That was like, a funny <laughs> Russell Knox is going to finish 33rd and that's it. Um, you know, it, it's, he did. He finished tied 33rd, tied 33rd, tied 33rd, and then tied 55th. Um, so he he's just that type of player. But at his best, like this is a person that's won a WGC, albeit a reasonably long time ago. Um, but he's, you know, two wins on the PJ Tour. That WGC, WGC champions, the Travelers. He won at the Irish Open, which is really impressive on the DP World Tour. Mm. Um, he's finished top twenty-five in his first two starts of the season, and he ranked fourteenth and seventh in strokes gain approach. Um, so he did miss the cut of the Shriners, and he was almost last at the Zozo, which we didn't have any data for, but. I just felt his ball striking long game was in pretty good nick. He closed with a good round at the Zozo, though. He did, shot 67, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, and he's coming to a course now. He's 11th, 16th, and 12th. And although that sort of suggests that's his peak and he might not win, it also suggests to me that like, that's a really hard thing to do on a course where, one, it's, the weather's very, very unpredictable. Um, tee times matter a lot. Um, so to me, the fact that he's kind of been really consistent here suggests that if he finds his best, which some of his ball striking has showed that it could come around. Um, I thought the 35 to 1 or 40 to 1, if you want to take less places, uh, about Russell Knotts was absolutely fine in the end. Yeah, no, I agree. Then I went with Adam Long, who for a long period of time was someone I couldn't quit. Um, have quit him basically now. Uh, he hasn't been as impressive for, for a decent period of time. Hasn't been consistent, but He's starting to show little flashes, and this is a person that hasn't played at this golf course, but he's got second and third place finishes at the Mayakoba, mm-hmm. fifth at the Corrales, and sixteenth at the RSM. So we know exactly what Adam Long wants. Uh, contrary to his name, uh, he isn't the longest hitter in the world. Um, so this is, is an event that kind of suits him. Um, he was thirtieth at the Sanderson Farms. So he actually shot four rounds of seventy straight, uh, which must be incredibly frustrating. Then he finished 53rd at the Zozo, but he was actually three rounds to 68. So he was 11th after round one, 13th after day two, and 21st after day three. And then he shot 75. So what a way to break, you know, your, your little spell of four straight 70s and three straight 68s is to, you know, really shit the bed and shoot at 75. But, you know, it, there's just been some signs from him. He was 16th at the 3M Open towards the end of last season. And this is just his course, like or his type of course. I don't know whether this course will suit him or not. We'll find out this week. Um, but just what he's done in Mexico was, you know, really mm. impressive. And you go out to 2019 bracket, like he beats Phil Mickelson, John Rahm, Taylor Gooch. There's a classic. Like it's it's really impressive. So I don't have any doubts that he can mix it with the best, um, mm-hmm. and that's always a good asset in a field like this. 
Oh, I didn't look at Adam Long. I didn't look him at all. And you've, now you've said all that, it's, uh, you make a really good case. Yeah. It, it's it's just one of those ones where like because he's he's been out of out of mind. Like he he has been doing nothing. Like there's, there's no two mm. ways about it. He's been shit like for a decent period of time, and then all of a sudden he's he's kind of flashing. And the fact that he's now there's a couple of players, and there's one I'm going to go on to in a minute that like have to make their money in these events. Like they have to go and finish top 10, top 20 in four or five events a year and make sure they get their card. And I think this is one of those places for uh, long uh, and mm-hmm. certainly one where he can make a breakthrough. I think so. Brad, coming on to your second selection, Zixing Du, or Marty Zixing Du, as, as we uh, can call yeah, him. My, we'll call him um, Mai. It'd be easier. Yeah, Marty would definitely be easier. Um, to, to anybody that may be um, you know, from that region, if I pronounce that poorly, then I'm very, very sorry, and I will just stick with Marty from now on. Uh, but give us the, the lowdown on Marty Do. So I was just sticking with the same theme um, as SH Kim. Uh, he's, this guy's a proven monster around these type of courses. He's a three-time winner on the Corn Ferry Tour. One of these wins came in the Bahamas last year. Um, he also has a runner-up and a third place in the Bahamas as well, along with a tied fourth at the Panama Championship. Um, also has a tied 16th at the Corrales back in 2017. That was a Corn Ferry Tour event, though. Um, and, yeah, this is just his type of test. Um, his recent form is all right. It isn't great. But he started off positively with a, a tied 21st at the Fortinet. Um, but since then, 54th at the Sanderson Farms and a missed cut last time out at the Shriners. Um, it doesn't concern me too much. As he, he's another player like SH Kim that I've followed for quite a while and, and I know he can randomly spike on tests that suit. Um, he's had, he had three missed cuts in a row back in June, then won the Ascendant in Colorado on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah. Um, I think he'll have this penciled, you know, in, in his calendar. So that was sort of a really good opportunity um, to sort of get off to a, a good start on the PGA Tour. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to chance him. I think he's got a, a quite a high ceiling. He was a prolific winner on the Chinese Tour as well. Um, and yeah, he's, to win three times on the, the Corn Ferry Tour is um, some feat. So it's I'm funny like, because you send me basically the, the, the three or four players that you're going to talk about in the podcast before yeah. we we get recording. So I know sort of where to kind of introduce you and sort of the selections right, and that that's our process. And it was really funny you'd sent me your three players, and as you'd sent them to me. I had Marty do up on the OWGR <laughs> website, sent you a screenshot, and you were like, you know, brilliant. Like, you know, are you on him as well? And, yeah. and, and you know, basically is, you know, all from that Bahamas thing, right? Like, first, yeah. second, and third at Bahamas is absolutely ridiculous. Then you consider the fact he's a four time winner on the PJ Tour China in 2016, wins the um, Order of Merit that year. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the players he beats was Xinjiang um, Zhang, who has had a PJ Tour card in the past as well. Um, then you go on to the fact he then just I love the progression, right? Like he wins four times in China in 2016, wins the Digital Alley Open in 2017 against Luke Guthrie, who's played on the PJ Tour, um, yeah. and Carl Thompson, who's played well on the PJ Tour as well, and you know a perennial winner uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Then he wins the Bahamas uh, event in 2019, uh, beats Ben Coles, who's got some PJ Tour um, history as well. Then he wins the Ascendant last year, which is actually originally the TPC Colorado Championship, which Will Zalatoris actually got his first win at. Um, Mm -hmm. So just those things, 
then the fact he's got that playoff loss as well to Brandon Harkins in Bahamas to, to make it two wins in that region. Just all of those things is enough. But to me, I think almost his little start to the season as well has been kind of overlooked. There's enough because, there, isn't there? Yeah, like 21st uh, at the Fortinet, he was 11th after round two, uh, 13th after round three. When he was 54th at the Sanderson Farms, he was 14th after day one, 25th after day three. Short, you know, poor final round, and that's been the theme so far. It's weird. I think, I think, because when he was 21st at the Fortinet, he was 13th going to the final day. He wants to shoot the low ones, climb up into that top 10, right? Mm-hmm. Same at the Sanderson Farms. Like he is sitting in 25th place, just wants to, you know, fire his way back up into the top 10. And maybe he's just going for too much. And, you know, he's a player that just knows how to win. And I actually think the final round performances so far have been because he's ultra aggressive. I don't I don't know that. I haven't been watching it, but I just think that's no, probably, probably what the case right. is. Yeah, yeah. And I think if he gets in the hunt, that will serve him well. And mm-hmm. there's probably not going to be a better spot, Brad, um, Definitely for not, Marty. No. Than, than here. I again, I'd probably look at him for my Cobra. Look at him for some Cobra, for the Corales, yeah. Like Coralez. keep those, keep those in finger. And and if he doesn't do it this week, because you know the way we're talking, we're kind of expecting him to win it already at sixty six to one. <laughs> like if he doesn't do it, but he's hundred to one at the my Cobra and he's yeah. hundred and twenty at Sony Open. I like, just keep going with him. I think because they are clearly his events. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. I think exactly the same way. I've got him sort of penciled in for them events already. You know, a lot of these players I have um, who've graduated from the Corn Ferry Tour, you know, the certain spots I expect them. If they are going to show up, they will show up here, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to chance him. And you look at the Bahamas courses, they're, they're relatively short, like the 7,153 yards, 7,001 yards, the other one. Panama's a bit longer, 7,325 yards. I know Bermuda is a little bit... It is shorter, and I think it does rely on you to hit more fairways, you know. Um, but um, I, it's just it's so much there to suggest that he's going to enjoy this test. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Come yeah, on, Martin. Are, are we are we worried about his driving accuracy? Well, I think he can. Ra- he's another one, a bit like SH Kim. He can randomly spike. I think he was first because I, I was looking at that myself. He was first at the Corn Ferry Tour Championship not so long yeah. ago. Um, I haven't got it up now. Because um, I, I was looking at that. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit concerning. Um, but but when then... I, I look, and it last, in his last full season on the, the Corn Ferry Tour, he was over 66% in terms of driving accuracy. He was 48. He He's another spike. You know, he just, yeah, he, he would just turn it on one week and everything will sort of look good. Um so yeah, I'm not too worried about that, um, but cool. we'll we'll soon see. I, I would say that you know if you've got to find a downside in him, that would probably be it. Yeah, right? that would be the downside for sure. Um, in this range, I looked at Austin Ekro at eighty to one. I looked at Kevin Yu at ninety to one, who definitely isn't cool. Kevin is a little bit like Marty Do. Um, you know, a couple of players there that I, I did think were interesting. Matty Schmid is someone that obviously. You know, talent-wise, is is a lot better than this, but probably isn't his sort of course. So those are the sort of names I looked at around that number. Um, and then eventually, I sort of came back to a veteran who, when I listened back to, we didn't do this event last year, but did it in 2020. And I was on Brian Stewart, and I'm on him again at 110 to one with the each way extra eight places on Bet365. 
He's finished 12th and 61st so far this season, but he's been 15th in both weeks in strokes gain approach. And you go back over the last 3, 6, 12 months, he's been inside the top 21 in terms of driving accuracy every one of those sort of ranges. I think he's top 10 when you go back um, for the full 12 months. This event really, to me, like looks up his street. I know he's missed two cuts and he's finished 51st here, but when you look at it, outside of his win at the Zurich Classic, he has just played awesome at Sony Open and Mayakoba, like 4th, 5th, 6th and 8th at the Sony Open, twice been 2nd at Mayakoba. I just, I truly, it's one of those ones I truly believe this is going to be a golf course for Brian Stewart, and whether it's been bad tee times, whether it's been just coming in in the wrong form, whatever, it just hasn't worked out for him so far, but mm-hmm. 15th in approach in two starts so far this season, uh, hitting the ball well, comes to a course that should suit him, Brian Stewart for me, 110 to 1. Um, not too much more about him. I can't argue with that at all. Like it. Just not. He's, he's just not a fashionable golfer, is he? Like it, it just is what it is. He yeah. he he seems service. It's a little bit like when you put Ryan Armour up, but you, you kind of almost give up on it by the time you've actually finished talking about it. But by the same token, um, he should you know he should go well. Everything points to him going well. Mm-hmm. Um, give us your final selection, Brad. Uh, in Eric the Barnes. Yeah, uh, Eric Barnes. So I mean, this is the type of event that we could possibly see. A surprise and um, sticking to a similar theme. Um, Barnes is another Corn Ferry Tour graduate, has an excellent record at these coastal Corn Ferry Tour events. Uh, tied fourth in Bahamas last year, along with a tied fifth in Panama. I think he was also 24th or something like that in the other Bahamas event, and a tied fourth at Saddleston Golf Club in Florida, which is another breezy coastal test. I think he played quite tough that week. Um, he's a Florida resident. Backed him a lot during the um, West Florida Golf Tour, which I don't know if you remember. <laughs> I uh, do. During, during COVID, that was good fun, um, which we didn't have much else to bet on. Um, they were pretty dark days, but the Outlaw Tour and um, and the West Florida Golf Tour certainly got us through. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's most comfortable putting on Bermuda. Plays well in the wind. Um, excellent last year, six top tens and a third place finish. Only missed six cuts. Um, he hasn't got off to the best of starts in the PGA Tour, missed a cut at the Fortinet, tied 45th at the Samson Farms and a missed cut at the Shriners last time out. Uh, but it weren't too bad, two rounds of 70, he only missed by two shots. Um, and his approach numbers were good, he gained 1.3 strokes on the field, just the flat stick let him down. So um, yeah, I think there's, there's some signs there, he could be on something a bit better. Um, and played here last year, I think he might have Monday qualified, don't know that possible um but mr cut shot rounds of 74 and 71 don't know if he was on the wrong side of the draw um but think he has developed a lot um as a player since then like after his year on the corn ferry tour and i like that he's seen the course and given his experience on the, the coastal tracks i'm willing to give him a, a go at big odds probably i got him eight places um 300 to one i don't know what he is now um, he's definitely, definitely coming a bit now, isn't he? Uh, I think he's about two hundred to one now. Um, yeah, well, that's. I think anything. I, I, I anything north of one hundred and fifty is fine. Eight places would be fine with me. I think he could nab a place. I really do. Yeah. No, I like that. One player who we know has a ton of upside, but has not shown it at this level yet, and has not been consistent even at the Corn Ferry level. Akshay Batia is three hundred and fifty to one with eight places. And he, that, yeah. and he won 
the Bahamas event. He won the Bahamas, yeah. <laughs> uh, won the Bahamas. He was ninth at the Safeway in 2020 when we were sort of all getting excited about him. He was 57th for the US Open, 30th at Pebble Beach, um, 14th for Utah recently. Like it, he's he's not consistent and he's not the full package because he's not old enough to be the full. He, he hasn't even gone. He didn't go to college, did he? I don't think. Oh. I think he just turned pro straight away. Um, and I think as much as I, I like the fact that he's backed himself to do that, I do think that's probably held him back a little bit. Um, but this is a person that's played like Junior Presidents Cups and Ryder Cups. He's played in Youth Olympics. He's made his debut you know, very early on. 2019, he made his debut on the PGA Tour. Um, so he's obviously like 18 years of age. Mm. It, I think he there's really plenty to come. He really fell off after that win. Like It's crazy like he had his girlfriend on the bag that he week. did it just looked really like blase right. yeah like, you know too relaxed and it's just uh yeah ever since then he just he couldn't really he was never really and i was backing him at big odds on the corn ferry tour thinking come on this is a good course for you like and he wasn't he wasn't performing and uh yeah i think that is why he is the odds that he is um yeah but, but we do know the upside. You know, there is there's a player there, there's a serious player in there. Def- um, definite, definite uh, volatility in his game. Uh, definitely looks like he could get blown over in a good Bahamas wind. Um, so th- th- there's not an awful lot of confidence there. But 350 to one, just as a long mm-hmm. shot, I think he's uh, someone. Maybe if he's a bit bigger on the exchange or whatever, I might chance him yeah. uh, at that. Brad, I think that's probably us done. Um, you? Get you away so you can watch your West Ham tonight. Um, <laughs> Portugal Open, let's summarise Jason's picks. He's gone with Nikolai Hoygaard, Eddie Pepperell, Tom Lewis and Jeff Winter. So if you want to win, um, I would probably listen to those. Um, I've gone with Eddie Pepperell, Tom Lewis and Mark Warren as definites. I haven't decided, I still haven't decided was that Norgard, Muller and Schneider. So maybe I'll sort of go on Twitter about those, Brad. Um, your selections for Portugal, please, mate. Yeah, from Matthew Pavon, uh, 40-1. Um, Gouveia, that's 66 to 1. I'm not sure what price he is now, actually. Uh, things around that, though. And Dow Whitnell at 60 to 1. Um, I think that's where he's at now. And for the Bermuda Championship, I've gone SH Kim. I think 33 to 1 is the best price, about. Uh, Sucheng Do, sorry, I think we're going <laughs> to absolutely butcher that. Uh, let's call him Marty Do. Um, he's at 66 to 1. And Eric Barnes as an absolute flyer at 200 to 1. Yeah, and just for, for us, mine and Jason's selections over at the Bermuda. Uh, I've gone for Aaron Wright at 28 to 1, Russell Knox at 35 to 1, Adam Long at 50 to 1, Marty Dew at 60 to 1, uh, Brian Stewart at 110 to 1, and Jason has gone for Peter Malnati at 75 to 1, Scott Piercy at 90 to 1. Uh, I think Nate Lashley is a similar price to that as well. And he's also gone with Callum Tarrant at 66 to 1. Um, Brad, that's our picks for the week. Um, Good job. Pretty pretty happy with them. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely some shots to be taken. Uh, lots to be excited about. And uh, hopefully, Portugal Masters and the Bahamas treat us well. Let's hope so.